0: Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Rodney E. G'day everyone and welcome to the Footyology Podcast. Uh, As usual, we are here for ESPN and we are here to preview a big round three of the AFL season. Off to a great start already this season, Uh, a few worries for some highly fancy teams, a few surprise packets, everything you need and uh, some pretty great games played as well. So Nine more of them, hopefully, this week. We're going to preview them in depth. Also, have a chat about the news as uh, I welcome my co-host. And uh, much as I enjoy his company, I'm tempted to say not another one because uh, old Hawthorne players just keep uh, invading every corner of my existence at the moment. And here's another one, Mr. Rodney Eade. How are you, Rocket?
1: Very good, Rowan. I know that makes you a better person dealing
0: with a Hawthorne uh, <laughs> or ex-Hawthorne brood, so um, uh, it's certainly good to be on board. I uh, get sick of hearing all you guys talk about all your various flags. Uh, I was at, uh, if anyone's wondering, what the hell are you talking about? I uh, emceed a uh, season launch at Montrose Football Club, coached by none other than Gary Ayres, and the talent I interviewed on stage was none other than Dermot Bruton. Another hawk, Peter Schwab, in attendance. His son, a player for Montrose. Um, you are pretty ubiquitous. You guys, you're all in the media, or you've coached, or you've uh, you've done it all. Really, what do you reckon that is?
1: It's interesting one. I, mean, I never realised when we had the reunion, uh, whenever that was last week, they mentioned that there was eight players from that team have coached AFL seniors, and then Michael Byrne is coach of the Fiji and. A Fiji <laughs> rugby team wow national team yeah. and they played the Queensland Reds last week so uh there's a that's nearly half of them um out of the out of the team I actually end up becoming uh I wouldn't say Elite but uh uh a top level coaches so that's it's, um, it's, um
0: that's probably a record actually eight out of any one team and at that. one
1: side yes it's uh yeah certainly certainly a lot.
0: That's for oh sure. well I'll look for Ryan maybe replaced in the host chair of this podcast by uh Ian Payton or someone like that <laughs> next week, right, Crocker. He's about the only one I haven't seen Bob up since the flag days. What is the general up to? Any idea? Yeah, uh, the
1: general's—he's uh, had a few little health problems with his with his body. He lives now down at Rye. You know, he's retired, so but he hasn't changed in any way. He's still the the dry sense of humour that he's always had. He's a very funny man. So, so it was good to see him last weekend.
0: Big shout out to the general and the whole Payton. Family. All right. uh, We've got some news to talk about, some games to preview. Let's get into it. On Footyology News Feed. Well, I seem to say this every week, Rocket. We don't want to make the news segment uh, a weekly update on um, MRO and Tribunal stuff, but, you know, uh, the fact is we've had some fairly important cases. Another one this week. Richmond's Nathan Broad uh, referred directly to the tribunal and on uh, Tuesday evening rubbed out for four matches for rough conduct uh, for a pretty nasty sling tackle on young Adelaide player Patrick Parnell, who was concussed, um, Will or uh, has gone into the 12-day concussion protocol. Uh, we do have to say up front here, to his credit, Nathan Broad very Remorseful, immediately apologised to Parnell, apologised to, um, Matthew he apologised to Matthew Nix, he apologised to Damien Hardwick. I think he went around and apologised to every member of the crowd after the game. Rocket, no, very, I, dare shouldn't make light of it. Very remorseful, but, um, gee, it was an ugly, ugly incident. I must say, I, I, I watched it, and given that the tackle was commenced as Parnell was on the boundary line and clearly going to be taken over. By the time he dumped him on the turf, he was a good metre over the boundary line. Why why on earth did he do it? I
1: don't know. if Players just have a brain fade. Like, even if it's in the middle of the ground, um, you can just drop your knees and bring the player to ground. You don't have to sling them. So I think the tribunal got this right. I think, you know, it's got to be heavy handed. I I think compared to last week with Pickett and uh, what Simon Goodwin said and even what Matthew Nix said about McAdam last week, oh, the bump's dead. In other words, making excuses for the player. I thought Hardwick and uh, Broad were very professional about it, saying, "Listen, it's not acceptable. It's not on. It's not the right way to go about it." Um, and I think if they're strong in their penalties, players will adjust. They don't want to miss weeks. Clubs mm-hmm. don't want them to miss weeks. Like, I think you know, you know, Broad's not a super player, but he's a good, solid defender that they can rely on. And I think you know, the next four opponents are fairly good opponents that they're going to miss him. And um, I think it's a, I think it's a right penalty. And I think the AFL and the tribe have got to be stronger on it.
0: Well, one of the reasons they're going to miss him without venturing into preview territory, they're already without Robbie Tarrant. Uh, Josh Gibkiss, I think, is out for a, a farewell. Now they've lost Jaden Short as well out of last week. So they're really short of defenders um, in that big game up against Tollingwood. In terms of the penalty, uh, I, I think Richmond tried to argue it down to three because of that remorse and they didn't yeah. try to yeah. plead down to a lesser charge. Um Do you think that should count for anything or not?
1: Uh, Well, they do in the court of law. If you take uh, ownership of your mistake, they tend to be. Maybe they did. Maybe it was going to be five and they gave him four. Um, We don't know. But uh, I think if it's borderline for one way or the other, as in the penalty, uh, uh, what the extent is, yes, I think. But if it's a really harsh one, no. But I think... I think from a perception point of view and a Richmond point view, as what we think in the AFL, I think they've done the right thing by being remorseful. They don't move on. Um, saying it's not great for the game. I I, I thought that was very uh I thought it was very noble of them. I think it was very uh, I think it showed good leadership of Hardwick as well to be able to say that.
0: That's a good comparison in the court of law, but I mean they don't do it with every I mean you no, you know, no, if you could right. be sorry about murdering someone, they don't reduce it to manslaughter, do they? <laughs> Do that. No, but <laughs> I no, think.
1: but in the court of law too, they've got scope, a, a particular crime can be anywhere from a maximum of, say, 10 years, but it can be to two years. So it's up to the discretion of the of the judge. So it's a bit like the tribunal, it's up to their discretion really about what they do and um, how what the penalty is. So, yeah, I think, I think it should be considered, but then I don't think every case is the same and uh, how they apply it.
0: Do you agree too that the uh, if we're comparing cases that went to the tribunal, so this one and the McAdam one, um, I'm not saying either of them were in any way justified, but there's probably more uh, excuse for the McAdam one because it is sort of a a football act in play, whereas, like I said, Parnell was on the boundary line, and I think do you agree with this that I mean, whilst you can argue a bump even like McAdam's is in some way instinctive. I reckon if you sling tackle a guy, you've you've got half a second to decide how heavily you're going to dump him to the turf. And if it becomes that argument about, oh, I thought he still might get rid of the ball, I was watching it. Oh, and in fact, I watched footage of a few sling tackles, and I reckon nine times out of ten before the guy slings the bloke, his arm is wrapped around the other guy's arm, and he knows that the ball is still being held by that other guy. So he, he pretty much knows that he's not going to get rid of the ball. Do you know what I mean?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, no, there's no doubt. You don't need to sling tackle, but you don't... I I go the other way of what you were saying with McAdam. I reckon it was just as bad, if not.
0: Oh, okay.
1: He Him and Pickett had a chance to go f- uh, for the player as in a tackle or smother the kick. They've gone past the ball and they've they're projected themselves. No, like a projectile. They've gone, left the ground, and they're uh, uh, maybe call cool, what could have caused... Could cause damage was exponential, I think, yeah. more than what the sling tackle. So, no, I think McAdam got off lightly. I think Pickett got off lightly. Uh, they've got three and two end up.
0: I reckon they both should have got four. Yeah, There's no doubt we've had to and we will continue to rewrite the book on what constitutes uh, a um, allowable, you know, a, a football force, action in the context of – Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Well, uh, that's enough on that one. Interesting. Uh, well, let's see if it does have a deterrent effect because, uh, you know, the way the season goes now and, and um, you know, the amount of preparation that goes into it and whatever, missing four games, that's a considerable chunk of your season. And yeah. um, it's – its I mean, I'm sure he will get back, but it's it makes it hard for him. So, yeah. um, all right, let's move on. Now, just not a heap of news around this week, but I just think this is beginning to gain a bit of traction. Uh, and it's about, uh, funnily enough, the Hawthorne Football Club, and yep. uh, they got thumped again by Sydney. So fifty nine points against Essendon, eighty one points against the Swans. And uh, I've even had a crack at this myself in a, a, a column this week about this rebuild strategy and the particularly the the extent to which they've cut the list. Um. A lot of people, a lot more people now questioning the wisdom of it, in, in, including a few, you know, people really well versed in this area that I've spoken to. I guess the first thing I want to ask you about it is to me, it sort of harks back to where Melbourne were at in about 2012, 2013, you know, when they got rid of James McDonald and yeah. uh, Cam Bruce and Brad Green. Um, you know, Hawthorne, they've got some good young players, but they, I would have thought they could ill afford to jettison that amount of experience. So it's something we haven't seen a lot of necessarily in, in more recent years because it was spectacularly unsuccessful for Melbourne. Why do you think Hawthorne have done it? What's their rationale?
1: Um, well, I think internally, and maybe it's a bit of a knee-jerk reaction, they realise, I think, that it was two years too late that Clarkson convinced them to keep topping up. And they're probably dirty on that. Um, it's obviously the wrong strategy, I think. So it goes back to then. So it's about, well, we've got to um, cut deep. And they still could have kept, and I've thought about it at the time, that with Mitchell and O'Meara, Mitchell and O'Meara and Gunston, who they wanted to keep, weren't going to be part of the next premiership. They weren't. To, so do you want to be middle of the table? like North Melbourne, where they're under Brad Scott and you don't get early draft picks and your rebuild's not going to maximise. Uh, I can understand Sam's uh, theory about getting games into kids in the midfield. and he's, We always coaches pull out stats, don't we, to justify <laughs> what we've done. He said, well, the problem's not in the midfield, which is where Mitchell and O'Meara were. It's other parts of the ground, mm. uh, which is a fair point. The only thing about having experienced players in, there is that they can... Take the heat like against Sydney and against and when it's capitulating. The physically they can take the bus but mentally they can show some leadership about perseverance and hanging. So they, so they can show the way and they can help. They can take the pressure off the younger players. Um, so yeah, I I can see the point, but uh, I yeah, it's an interesting one. I I, I certainly don't blame them uh, rebuilding, but the downside to it with what happens is it's membership and sponsorship. That's the more, that's more the issue rather than the pressure
0: from the media internal. It's about, does it equate to an economic downfall? I'm glad you said that because this is one of the things I've touched on in this column. So I started off talking about how much they've jettisoned, just to give you an idea too, the average games played on their list now is I think down to 46. It's down about 10 games per player across the board but the thing that really uh, – sorry, it's 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 down 20 games or something per player. It's an incredible amount. The thing that really struck me was the next youngest uh, list in the competition, which I think is Adelaide, is 10 games per player more experienced than Hawthorne. It's it's probably one of the youngest lists we've ever seen in football history. So it's, it's a, a savage cut. But the thing I went on to talk about was I just wonder how much pressure is coming – to do this from off the field, and you alluded to membership and sponsorship. I read a column. There was a really interesting column in The Age last week written by a Hawthorne supporter who was taking his eight-year-old son to the footy, and his son has literally never seen Hawthorne win a game. Yeah, And, and the whole column was about, oh, gee, you know, well, how do I keep him interested and whatever? And I had the same reaction as everyone else, which was, mm-hmm. Hawthorne, you're kidding. This is a club which has averaged it's, a flag once every four yeah, years. Yeah, they've
1: won the most flags since 61 70, or 71. Or 71 you yeah. know,
0: 12 in 50-odd in years. How can you possibly talk seriously about the hard times or whatever? And then I thought about it. And these young generations now, you know, I don't want to go these kids, but there are so many more choices for them in terms of entertainment and sport. Yeah. Um I'm not sure anything gets invested with the same amount of interest and passion and patience as the things that we grew up loving.
1: Oh, there's no doubt about that.
0: So I, I think th- there's this sort of pressure on to turn things around quicker than they used to be.
1: <laughs> and you can always uh, rust it on supporters like myself can see if you win like they did last year, win eight games and they finish wherever they finish on the ladder 12th, is that any good? Is it pick eight in the draft? Uh, that much worse than pick one. Yeah, of course it is. Mm. So would you rather get Will Ascroft last year, or would you rather get whoever they picked? Of course you'd rather get Will. Next year, apparently the number one pick is the next Dustin Martin. They reckon he's a superstar. When do so, they say that? No, well, I, well, that's what they've written. So I'm only doing. Yeah. I've never seen a kid play, but so. You, you think, is he better than, I'm not saying they're tanking, they're not doing that. They've cut the list of what they've genuinely thought was best for their long-term future. No doubt. I think they're probably surprised internally and probably as a coaching group, how poor they've been the first two weeks. I think they've probably, as clubs do, we we overestimate where our group is at um, and the talent we've got on the list. I think they've got talent, but they're kids. And, um, I mean, Scrimshaw's not playing. I thought Scrimshaw was a really good player for him, but they're not picking him. So there's other players there who could play. And I'm, I'm not I'm not, I'm not, queer in their selection process, but they are really young. Uh, they are really young. And their midfield, as Sam's saying, is not their issue. But John Newcomb, who's potentially a good player, but he's a second-year player. Yeah. I know he's got a body, but, but he needs good players around him. So they're they're going to take some big hits. The supporters are going to be unhappy because they're used to success. One of my best mates is a big Hawthorne supporter and he's filthy. He's, he's critical of them. And I said, mate, settle down. I said, what do you want them to do when eight games and finish 12th? And he said, oh, that'll be better. And I said, well, I don't know if that's the case. I said, I'm looking, when are they going to win their next premiership? And that's what they're thinking. Are they going to be in the eight in three years? Maybe they might be, but they certainly the next, this year, and next year is going to be tough roads. And if, Sam's done that and the board have ticked off on it, which is obviously they have. They've got to stick fat with him. They've got to stick fat and see this through.
0: You'd think they would, wouldn't you? I mean, yeah, they would. Andy yeah. Gower's very level-headed uh, guy. Um, the thing that really took me back was I, I looked up the leadership group because I couldn't think who it was. In fact, I, I had trouble remembering James Sicily's captain now, you know. Yeah. Uh, he's actually 28. He's older than I thought. But one of the vice captains is Dylan Moore. And it yeah. only seems like two years ago to me that he even sort of established himself as a regular senior player. So um, yeah. just one quick one, last one on this, going back to that Melbourne example, I just felt like there are a number of young Melbourne players who got burned by this and whose yeah. development was also almost – is that a real thing? Did we sort of embellish that story a bit or were there genuinely a number of Melbourne players whose careers were – stymied by being thrown to the walls
1: yeah you could easily say that but then it depends on your development and the people you've got in your organization and you go to melbourne again later and they're still down the bottom um when they got petrarca and oliver and that draft so they've drafted really well for a couple of years and got a couple of stars it, it turned around quickly so i know they've had some players there i think it can do but uh, as in stymie their development, and that's what my worry is. Uh, I've even before the season started, what happens with that, but it depends on the coach. Which you got trust in as, as an exploit, got trust in Sam, got trust in their coaches, and trust in the way they go about it. That, that these players that we have the right support around them, uh, and right development, that in that it won't hurt them uh, long term.
0: Success catches up with you. I've, I've got no doubt some of the impact of this is a direct result of three flags between 13 and 15 when they were topping up then it it just cumulatively takes a toll on development and i
1: think internally um i don't think the coach at the time i think he was selling them i'll work and keep topping up we'll keep we'll we're we're in there and i don't think their list you know externally was good enough to win it and they got to that uh, qualifying final they lost to the Bulldogs in 16 which was mm. I thought they were overachieved they finished the top 4 and they kept topping up and I think internally Hawthorne wanted to start to regenerate then in the next couple of years like in 18 or, and it never happened they kept topping up and they are where they are at the moment Well the
0: coach becomes a powerful voice particularly when he's a Four time premiership coach. Yeah, that's
1: right. And that's where the clubs need to be stronger in what we stand for. I think Man City, I know they spent too much money in the hurt they are at the moment, but I like their philosophy that this is the way we want to play. This is what we're about. This is our values, and our coach will fit what we believe so they're yep. actually strong about it. So, yeah, that's where they're going
0: to go. No, good discussion. Um, all right. Uh, massive round three coming up. There's some absolutely huge games, particularly early in round three. Let's preview them. On Footyology, previews with Punch. Round three kicks off with another Thursday evening game. This one back in Melbourne. Um, What am I saying back in Melbourne for? We haven't left Melbourne on Thursday night yet. There's so many games going on, I'm getting mixed. uh, I'm getting uh, confused. Marvel Stadium, 7.20 p.m. Thursday, sees the Western Bulldogs taking on... Brisbane, uh, a rematch if you like of the what was it, twenty twenty one semi final. That was a thriller. That one was at the Gabba, though. Uh, the Bulldogs, uh, really ordinary start to the year for them. Brisbane back on the winners' list with a, a really good win over Melbourne at home last week. How do they shape up head to head, Rocket? The Bulldogs have won seven of the last ten clashes between those two, but Brisbane have won three of the last five. And the two that they've lost have only been by one point, that was that semi-final, and 19 points, which was uh, at Mars Stadium in Ballarat. Brisbane has also significantly won its last five at Marvel Stadium. There's uh, some injury issues I'll talk about, but let's get your initial thoughts on this one.
1: Well, as everybody has, uh, has reported on or reviewed, the Bulldogs have been really been struggling. Um, they were seen as the maybe an excitement team uh, going into the season and uh, with tall forwards, but also some tall backs that they've recruited and uh, fixing some areas that were of concern last year. But uh, with losing Dunkley and with age creeping up on some of the midfielders, they don't look as potent in the midfield either. And I think their biggest issue uh, they have got is their ball movement. They are stayed, they are boring, they are slow, uh, they're not taking the game on, whether that's due to their lack of legs, leg speed and they're worried about turnover, but it's still, it's hurting them on the school board. The opposition, once they get turnover themselves, are going quick um, and they can't stop it. And uh, so I think they've got some real issues um, in their team. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. I still overall think they might push towards the eight, but I don't, now I don't think, I don't think they'll make the eight. I think they've got too many things to fix in their team, the way the game's going. Them and Fremantle are the two at the moment who are playing really slow footy and it's hurting me. Um, I think the Lions, obviously, we spoke about the bounce-back factor last week. That happened. I should have had the courage to pick them. Um, I think they'll give them a confidence. I like the way that they, A, attacked the contest. I don't, I think Melbourne last week were a bit bullied um, out of it. And I like the way they moved the ball. They, they went quickly. Danaher and Cameron got back to a bit of touch. I think Marvel suits them. It's dry. Uh, It's a quick deck. Um, And I like the Lions. I think they can win.
0: Well, let's talk about personnel. Uh, Kitty Coleman, Uh, concussion. Um, Still no word on whether he'll be available or not. So he might miss the second one there. Uh, Gardner is listed as a test. Uh, He's had a pretty ordinary pre-season following shoulder surgery and an ankle issue. Uh, the Bulldogs have got more injury issues though. Uh, Gardner is set to come back; he missed the first couple of games after elbow surgery. Uh, Trelaw and Rory Lobb uh, both unlikely um, after early injuries. Arthur Jones, uh, exciting young small forward, will make his debut, so that's one decent story for them. But uh, just as well he's around because Cody Waitman. Very important part of that forward setup. He's still at least another two weeks away, and probably longer. So, um, despite the depth of talent on that list, there's some key guys out. Um, seriously, if you were tipping the Bulldogs, it would be nothing more than a a hunch, wouldn't it? And I, I just that's my issue with the the doggies rocket. They when they sort of bounce back you never get a, a sense that they're going to bounce back until they bounce back. I guess we'd all be tipping yeah. a lot better than we do. Yeah. But that's that's sort of their history, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it is. Uh, it's interesting, too. They've always been a small side. We've never had really had tall forwards, even last year. You know, Jamara was playing as a kid, and Darcy came in late. But it was really only Norton. Tall defenders, uh, they were struggling for that. Now they've got too many. <laughs> so if Gardner plays, there's Keith, Bruce, and Jones down back. They can't play all four. Um a maximum they could play three and maybe only two with the with, uh, they've got to pick horses for courses. So it'd be interesting to see who goes, whether Josh Bruce is just too slow down there. Um Joan showed a little bit last week. But up forward is the thing. Sam Darcy would probably go. He only had the two possessions last week. And that's going to happen with a young kid. He's going to be up and down. But they've got to pick a more balanced team. Trelaw not being in the side. He's a line breaker. McRae is just really around the conscious. Bond and Pelly's hit, really, as a midfield. Bailey Smith was okay, but he generally plays wing. Liberal we know he plays as Liber, but there's no breaking the lines. They've played as a, a team that handballs around, um, hand around circles to to break it out and go forward. But... Even when they go forward, they they you know, kick it up the chimney. They don't try and hit targets. So I think their whole
0: plan really needs a revamp. So is, is that is a bigger issue for them, you think, than they're defending per se, because there's been those queries about they defend poorly and their midfielders perhaps don't work hard enough, they don't run hard enough. Is there a link there with what you're talking about or are they two separate issues?
1: Probably two separate issues. Maybe they're going slow because... They are slow the deck and they can't defend. But if they're going slow with the ball in hand, at times that gives you a chance to set up defensively. They, they're not a great defensive team. Um, Their mids, you know, have a look at Bontepelli, who works hard, but he's not quick going back the other way, to be honest. Um, McRae does it okay. Liver's not great going back there. He, he's good in tight, as in A, winning it, but B, tackling. Mm. But once a ball breaks out um, and exposed, like. You have a look at last week. They, I don't know how many goals they kicked. They kicked four in 10 minutes towards the end of the second quarter. They kicked six for the game mm. or five for the game. They've kicked two in 110 minutes. So they, they haven't scored at all. So that's the biggest worry for me, that if Brisbane work hard and get that team defence going and hem them in their back 50, I I, I just see them making turnover after turnover. They, they have to go quicker. All right. Give us your tip. I think Brisbane by 21 points.
0: Yeah, look, I'm, I'm, this might be my first hunch tip of 2023. Absolutely no logical reason why I tipped them, but I'm just going to give the doggies one more chance. Uh, like I said, they're pretty hard to tell when they're going to bounce back, but I'm hoping it might be third time lucky. Uh, no reflection on Brisbane at all, but I'm going to pick the Bulldogs by two points. All right. Big Thursday night game to kick us off, but even that's not as big as the massive game that awaits us on Friday evening. Doesn't get a lot bigger than this. Collingwood taking on Richmond at the MCG Friday evening, 7.50pm. Collingwood off to an absolute flyer this season, Uh, Richmond a draw first up against Carlton and uh, got the job done against Adelaide, not without uh, the odd scare, but uh, came good when it counted the Tigers. Uh, They've only played each other once a season for the last three years, and the results of that are one win each and a draw. So even with three meetings, 50-50 the ledger there. Overall, since 2015, it's eight wins to Richmond, four to the Pies and that draw. What about at the MCG? We both play an awful lot of footy. Well, Richmond, since the start of last year, 11 wins, three losses and a draw. Collingwood, 17 games on the MCG since the start of last year. So playing a new backyard rocket, 14 wins for the Pies and three losses. Uh, even I'm excited about this game. It's just uh, everything about it's big. The fan bases, the hype, uh, and two pretty good teams. Uh, your initial thoughts on this one?
1: Uh, my
0: initial thoughts is Collingwood by how far. Really? Uh, to be oh, honest, yeah. yeah okay. Um, we need to talk about personnel, but yeah, personnel. We get to... uh, well, maybe I'll tick that off first. Actually, I'll just run through Richmond's issues. So. Uh, Nathan Broad now suspended for four weeks We mentioned Jaden Short Calf injury He's out for a couple of weeks And the defence is a real problem for them Robbie Tarrant, hip injury He's probably going to be out for another one or two Dusty Martin uh, 50-50 I reckon at this stage uh, With uh, What's that one? A hamstring Test for Tom Lynch So they're reasonably confident he'll be okay Hopper uh, soreness in the knee, and he's probably unlikely as well. So, yeah, that does make a fairly sizable difference, doesn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah, I think so. Even if all those players were playing, I'd still pick Collingwood. Um, I think Richmond's only chance at the moment in Melbourne, it's raining, if it rains on Friday night and the and the ball's on the deck and it's just a surge game, I think that'll suit the Tigers. Uh, but the way Collingwood are playing, I know – we talk about the 71-point win or 81-point win, whatever it was last week. But the way they move the ball and they're prepared to take the game on, um, I just can't see Richmond stopping. And to, Richmond, to me, and I said it early uh, before the season, I don't know if they'll make the eight, even if they're up and about. I just think they're too old, a bit slow. Adelaide were a bit stiff last week, really. I mean, in the end, they lose by five goals. But uh it was Koch and kicked a goal. Rewalt set one up. So it's just the experience just at the end when it was under the pump. Um, I just I just worry about uh, their ability to match the run um, and the exuberance of the Collingwood team, especially coming out of defence.
0: I'll, I'll just play devil's advocate here. Couldn't you have mounted the same argument about age and whatever about, say, Geelong at the start of last year after what happened to them in 2021?
1: Uh, yeah, but their age, uh, different type of players, Um to be honest. Um, and I thought their support cast is stronger than what the Tigers have got. I think there's a couple of players there that probably, by the end of the season, are really going to struggle. Um, and I don't know if they've got the depth of their last six or seven players in their team like Geelong have um, of the quality. So, yeah, I, I just don't think they're a balanced side. I think they will, they will rely on some brilliance at times, whether it's to Lynch, Martin down the track these guys to be able to win them games. And uh, I, um, yeah, I think the Pies will win this game very easily.
0: Uh, let's talk about their personnel. Brodie uh dislocated a finger last week and that went over Port Adelaide, but uh, should be available. Um, that's about it for them, really. Oh, Patrick Lipinski uh, got injured pre-season. He won't be back till uh, the bye. Um, that's about it for them. So full list to choose. I mean, they showed a bit of... Uh, I guess Craig McRae got to play around with the pieces on the chessboard a bit, didn't he? Nick Dacos crept forward a bit more, kicked a couple of great goals Um, all of a sudden. And we, we talked about um, (laughs) I'm going to do it again. We talked about Frampton coming alive after Jeremy Howe's injury Um, all of a sudden, you know, you're not seeing Collingwood rocked by one or two injuries and, and, that really having a sizable impact yeah. on their performance. And
1: if you look at the names on paper previously, previous, say two years ago, those names on their forward line, you think, oh, are they going to kick enough goals? Mm. And shows you the ball movement has a lot to do with it. I know Dacos is, are kicking goals, mm. but Elliot can, but my check was a solid player. McStay's not, you know, you, he's kicked only one each game, but everyone's chipping in. And yeah. everyone's getting a look at the ice cream. I mean, everyone can score. Adams is even kicking goals. So they everyone can kick a goal, and it's about the way they're moving the ball. And I think that you think about Dacos, because he's being tagged. It's once he's once he's tagged, they'll flip around at stoppages. He takes Pendlebury's role, and Pendlebury will drop out, or he'll go to Bottom's role. He'll drop out, then swap over and go forward or go wing, and it's making it difficult for the taggers. So they need to be well coached if they go into tag day about what roles and the team, how, how they'll counter that.
0: Just a quick one. What about the improvement of Darcy Cameron? I mean, the the suggestion, um, say, two years ago, that he could be kept on as Collingwood's Ruckman and they trade out Brodie Grundy, people would have thought you were mad. But like his game against Port was just fantastic.
1: It's another one of the Sydney Ruckman that they've drafted, who like Toby Nancurvis So Sydney have a great ability to draft a Ruckman. Obviously, they rate it very highly, Sydney, so they get multiple Ruckman in. And then if they don't get an opportunity, then they'll go. So Cameron's another one of those and showed his ability to go forward and kick it off. That's my only concern with Collinger. I think they'll cope with injuries, but they will not cope if he gets injured. He might be their best player, but he may be their most important because, with all due respects, Mason Cox is a backup Ruckman. He's not the main Ruckman. They lose Cameron. Um, they really could struggle uh, when it gets to the pointy end.
0: Which would be the the most amazing example of the most important player to a team being about their, I don't know, 20th best in, in the best 22. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing about Sydney there, it just made me think, and then after they give away their Ruckman, they go and get Ruckman from other clubs like yeah, Peter right, Laddams and, and yeah, uh, Callum Sinclair before him. Hickey. Yeah. Hickey. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a, so the, uh, it's a ruck merry go round. Yeah.
1: So obviously they rate that role very highly, Sydney, but uh, once they draft and they should be able to should keep them somehow,
0: but everyone wants to play, obviously. All right. We've established you're going for the pies. Give us a margin uh, 41 points. Wow. Okay. That could be the biggest margin any of us have tipped uh, so far this year. I'm not that confident, um, but I am going for the pies. Collingwood by 22 points for me. All right, that is the big Friday night game. Uh, Let's move on to Saturday. Ah! Battle of the Tasmanian co-tenants, if you like. Hawthorne taking on North Melbourne in Launceston, University of Tasmania Stadium. Head-to-head, 10-4 the Hawks way over the last 10 seasons. North Melbourne, three wins, five losses at Launceston. That um, number, including the infamous 115 point loss in 2012. When uh, how many goals did Buddy Franklin kick uh, Rocket? 13, 13, 13. Mm-hmm. And Hawthorne uh, once impenetrable Launceston, but uh hasn't been that good for them since 2021. They've only gone five, five there. Uh, Hard times for the Hawks, as we spoke about in the uh, news segment. Mitch Lewis still at least two weeks away with a knee injury. Uh, Chad Wingard-Calf, he'll have a test. But uh, not a lot of um, depth there for Sam Mitchell to call on. And North Melbourne, well, what a great start to the season for them. Two from two and a fantastic win in Perth against Fremantle last week. Uh, Paul Curtis May get him back He'll have a test Ben Mackay He's an important Key defender for them Still a, another Couple of weeks away And Tristan Zeri In the ruck uh, Still could be A while off Yet um, uh, Gee this one Would have been A toss of the coin But it doesn't look That way now Does it given how Both teams have Started the season
1: Yeah Yeah it looks uh, Certainly on paper I, th- I think there'll be An improved effort From, from the Hawks I think Yeah uh, uh, I think we'll get a bounce back as in their effort and their performance. Um, But still, you, you know, you like what the Kangas are doing and that they, they are a young side. They've obviously been building, but they've got enough uh, experience around Zebel, Cunnington, Goldstein as the older group. But even uh, he's playing exceptional footy as Davis Unionaki, but he's been there four or five years. Simpkins been there four or five years. So they've got that middle bracket as well. Still young, Larky, Zerha, so they've got a good balance of um, age, uh, their age demographic. And I think they've got enough talent. So they'll, they'll get enough, uh, certainly enough. They, they'll get you'll get a lot of confidence out of the last two weeks, even uh, winning by a point last week in that controversial st- circumstance. But it was good travel. They've gone to Perth. Um, I don't think they'll win by as much as people think. Um, I think it'll be close than that, but I still think the Kangas will win.
0: All right. I just want to talk quickly about Davies Uniac because I remember he was drafted in 2017 I had a draft expert looking after it for footyology, and uh, uh Briskham, his name was, and uh, he really knew his stuff. And he was absolutely emphatic: the best player in this draft is Luke Davies, Uniac. We have the, we're pretty impatient with him. If if a highly rated draftee hasn't really hit the big time within probably two years, people tend to sort of oh, forget about him, move on to the next crop. So there's almost this surprise. Gee, Davies Uniac, what a star. But in a way, this is sort of the copybook development of a young player, isn't
1: it? It is, it is. And especially taller players take a lot longer. But that's interesting with supporters to say, oh, we need a centre-half back for next season. Let's draft a centre-half back. The kid's five years away from playing center back. That's why yeah. the list management is about looking for holes that are going to happen in five years' time. So it's about drafting players. They, they do take a while because they mature in their body. They go through the experiences. Uh, they've got development. Um, now he's he's really one of the premium midfielders in the competition he had a great second half of the season last year and his first two games have been fantastic his ability to burst away from stoppages is so impressive and he's a good kick so um, no, he's a really good player and takes the pressure off Cunnington um, you know, Will Phillips didn't play at the weekend, but he's another one who can come in. Powell, they've got a got some youth coming through. Simpkin has taken that role now as a co-captain. He's 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 developed into a really good player. So they've got a good balance. It's just been able to having been in the wilderness for quite a few years now, is learning in different situations and learning different scenarios. And this will be another. This will be a test for them by. They'll go in as favourites. Mm. Um, so that's a, that's a psychological hurdle they're going to overcome. Um, but I, I think they'll be
0: able to do it.
1: I think there's enough wise heads there to get them over the line.
0: Timkins, another one. Just, uh, you know, sort of textbook development of a of a guy just getting incrementally better year by year and, and to that extent where he's now a, mm. an official leader of that club. Just a quick one on Clarko coaching against the old side. Um, w- will that be a, a bonus or potentially a handicap for him, do you think? And you uh, are interested in your thoughts, uh, say coaching against the Swans for the first time when you did that.
1: Uh, yeah. I can't remember that. I, I think he's got a bit more acrimony against uh, his, his previous club than most other coaches that have uh, been moved on. And, uh, I think, uh, yeah, he's he's certainly what you hear about holding a grudge. So, yeah, he'll be he'll be souped up for it. Um, as long as that uh, enthusiasm for the contest doesn't boil over to the players and affect their their preparation for it. But I, I think it'll be an interesting battle in the coach's box. I think Sam's got a really good idea as whether he's got the troops to be able to manipulate a few things on field, um, and and he'll know what Alistair will want to do and likes and dislikes and all that sort of thing and his tactics and strategies. So, yeah, I think it'll become a little bit personal for Alistair, but I still think that they'll get over the line.
0: All right. Uh, Well, there's your tip. What's your margin? Uh,
1: 15 points.
0: 15. Okay. So it could be a bit of a struggle for them before they get there. Yeah. Look, I, I don't know. My memory of North at Launceston is they haven't been great. I think they're good enough to get the job done, but not necessarily by a lot. So I'm going for the ruse by 12 points. All right. Uh, that is the first game on Saturday. The next one is Twilight, and uh, it's up in Sydney. Let's have a chat about that. 4 35 pm, Saturday afternoon. Giant Stadium sees GWS taking on. Carlton, uh, the Giants, pretty good record against the Blues, nine and five against them, although Carlton have won the last two. Um, Carlton at Giants Stadium last year uh, won by 30 points. It was their first win there in six attempts. Uh, The Blues, they're, well, flying high, draw against the Tigers week one, uh, but a really good win last week against... Uh, The Cats, uh, good effort by them and the Giants, well, one and one, uh, one decent performance, one uh, fairly disappointing performance. How do you see this one?
1: Yeah, obviously Colton are going to be the favourites playing up there. I think uh, I picked the Giants last week on the back of their first round, but I think Kelly and Whitfield out and Perryman out. It was a too big a hurdle for them and some of the younger players struggled last week. So uh, it's a good experience. But the Blues obviously impressive last week. Um And when the Cats were coming back at them uh, towards them, they're going to be able to hold on and win by a couple of goals. So I think you know, they're learning, they're getting better uh, um, and they'll gain a lot of confidence out of it. So, um yeah, I, I think they're going to, I think you have to pick Carlton. Um, they'll be raging favourites. I'm going to pick the Upset. But uh, I think uh, Carlton are going to the game favourite and, and deservedly. So I'm going with the, the gut feel hunch, like you said before, and I should back my gut feel, and I'm, I'm going for the Giants.
0: All right, let's uh, just talk quickly about Carlton. Uh, Kelly and Whitfield back for the Giants, so that's uh, pretty big for them. Carlton will be hopeful. George Hewitt back from a hand injury. Uh, Jack Martin um, could be in contention. He was a late withdrawal last week with... A calf complaint. Um, and uh speculation Carlton might think about two ruckman with Pitnett uh partnering Tom DeConing, uh Lockie Ploughman also pushing for a recall. Yeah, they've had their issues, Carlton, against the Giants. Um, they've also had some decent wins on the road in the last few years, even when they haven't been that greater yeah. side, I just, uh, gee, they were impressive against Geelong. I must yeah, admit, cool. I, yeah. I've been slow to come around on them, but you're looking at the talent and you're looking at the the cohesion of that side at the moment. It's pretty hard to tip against them.
1: Yeah, it is. Bad. And I think, uh, interesting you say about the second Ruckman coming out, I think it's a good move. I, I don't think Pitnett's a superstar, but I think young De Koning has got the world at his feet, but he's very skinny, very lean, and doing that every week in and week out for 90% of the game time is going to, is going to a chance to break him down. So I think it's more of a protection mechanism and you can't ruck Jack Silvani or whoever consistently as the second ruck because it's too hard on them as well. So I think, I think it's worthwhile playing a pit net uh, and then having your sub and maybe one of them come out at a particular stage. But I think being able to share that load and and save him, throw him forward at times uh, to Coning because he can take a catch and um, yeah, I think it's a good move. Yeah, as I said, it's difficult to pick against them. I just got a hunch against the Giants. I just got a hunch too about the Blues. They're up and about, but are they in the comfortable phase? Are they say, "Oh, yeah, we'll just turn up and win this"? That's I'm going the psychological angle, and um, I'll I'll back the Giants.
0: Uh, margin on that one? Seven points. Seven points, GWS. Uh, just on Pitnet, he's an old school sort of ruckman, isn't he? He's a bit of a, a throw. He reminds me of a ruckman going around in the 1970s. Like he, he yeah, should have, ha- have a spell on the ball and then go and rest in a forward pocket.
1: Yeah, he's a bit like Nankervis, where he doesn't jump. He uses his body, puts his body in, which is a different ruckman to DeConing, which is a good balance, I think, when you're rucking against the opposition. They they've got two different types coming at them, and you've got to you've got to change your mode. Where players like to get in continuity, and get in that same mode, especially a ruckman, where if they've got two coming at who are completely different. I think it's a it's a, it, you know it's a plus for them.
0: And as you just alluded to, uh, the sub that being turned into a tactical, potentially a tactical sub that might see more clubs prepared to go with a, a dual ruck setup too, do you think?
1: Oh, for sure. There's no doubt. So if you don't get an injury or a, a concussion, you now midway through the third seems to be the one or the 20-minute mark of the third quarter, inject some speed or some run or some goal-kicking power as a small forward, uh, throws a different dynamic in and you, you know, your option then is to take a taller player off.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to differ on this one. I'm, I'm uh, backing the Blues. I've got uh, renewed faith in them. I think they've matured a bit uh, even on last year and I reckon this is the sort of game they need to win and are good enough to win I don't think they'll do it by a lot but I'm going to go for Carlton to win this one by 10 points Uh, let's head back to Melbourne and a big Saturday night game at the G Hey guys, if you like the Footyology podcast with Rowan Connolly and Rodney Ede, you'll like the ESPN Footy podcast with myself, Matt Walsh, Jake Michaels and champion data's Christian Jolly as we break down all the big storylines in the AFL. Saturday night at the MCG, 7.25, see St Kilda taking on Essendon. Both sides, two wins from two and I reckon you could have had reasonable... Odds on that being the case heading into round three pre-season when you saw who they were playing. But both been pretty impressive. And their clashes against each other have tended to wax and wane. In fact, the scoreboard over the last 10 years, six wins to the Saints, six wins to the Bombers. Every single one of those uh, games has been at Marvel Stadium. They have not played at the MCG since 2006, um, the Saints haven't played the MCG much at all uh, four times over the last two years. They have won three of those four games, which is encouraging for them. Um, Essendon's record, of course, one of their home grounds, but uh, haven't played well there at all. The Bombers last year won just the two games there and suffered seven losses. Um, quick look at some injury. No, in fact, there won't be a quick look because gilda Kilda's got that many on the injury list. This week's instalment. Uh, Jack Billings fractured leg he's still at least five weeks away Nick Bytel knee uh, Nick Bytel Jack Bytel knee injury he'll be tested Nick Coffield still three weeks away Jack Hayes still half a season away Zach Jones indefinite uh, Max King still five weeks away with that shoulder uh, Tim Membry's still at least three weeks away uh, Jimmy Webster, another week away, and now they have lost skipper Jack Steele with a collarbone injury for four weeks. Bit of a disaster for the Saints on the injury front, but uh, Rocket, they have soldiered on so well. We'll talk about Essendon's personnel in a minute, but, gee, haven't the Saints been resilient?
1: Yeah, they have, and they've got a good system, and, and we asked before whether, whether Ross Lyon will change and his mode, but he hasn't. He has attacking-wise, but defensively he's still... That's the formation of the game, built on defence and effort. Yeah, well, a,
0: well, I was going to say, I saw a quote from him saying, "I coach for effort and the circumstances, the backs against the wall stuff has suited him perfectly, hasn't it?
1: it has. But also, you got effort in defence. So, what I mean, they they hunt the you know the kicker. So they're you'll you'll see them set up well if the opposition's chipping the ball around like the Bulldogs were last year. They won't last week. They won't let them through or they, they work hard diligently and they work for each other. But also if there's a loose ball, en masse, they're tackling and they're which is just effort. It doesn't take talent. So they've got that in spades at the moment, and they set up well behind the ball. So they've got a good defensive system. What is he's, he's changed his mode is that because there's a bit of speed in the team, once there is turnover, they go. When they pass the St Kilda teams in Frio, they will go on their chip and then they defend with the ball in hand. And they wouldn't get the opposition the ball back. But in this day and age, he's adjusted. I don't think Justin Longmuir's adjusted or Luke Beveridge adjusted that you need to go. You need to. You've got to try and score. So if the Saints can kick ninety to one hundred and ten or eighty five to one hundred and five each week, that gives them a real good chance of, of winning because they're defending really well.
0: They've found a couple of rippers in uh, Philippu and Owens, haven't they?
1: They have. No, you no, know, Philippu looks a really good player. Um, and he's uh, only young, um, young at the draft age, is the bottom age really of uh, the draft team. And Owens looks a, a really good player, so they have given these guys a chance. And obviously, uh, Lyon would give them a real good uh, direction of how he wants them to play their role, so they've got clarity. Um, and uh, everyone's buying into that. So I thought they might have struggled defensively, but I think as in the back six, as getting the ball in there, but. They're not letting the ball get in there. Um, you know, the inside fifties for the opposition is is not great. The Bulldogs scored four in ten minutes there at one stage, but then they're able to shut that down. So Steele out is going to be a big loss for them. Um, that uh, now they're starting to get a few injuries. As I said, there's probably five of their best twenty-two out now. Steele is a really good player. So how they cover that does that give the parish and the merits an opportunity to stamp and McGrath to stamp their authority on the game?
0: Well, much uh, lesser example or much lo- lesser scale. But Essendon, I felt last week, showed a, a bit of resilience too. Lost Sam Wiedemann late, had to reorganise. Um, Kyle Langford had played well in defence, uh, but got thrown forward anyway. And Brad Scott backed the likes of Zirk Thatcher, Laverde, Ridley um, to hang tough. And they they did a really good job. Zerk Thatcher has now hurt his ankle, Um but uh, hopeful that he still might come up. Jake Stringer had one game in the VFL It' be interesting to see whether uh, they take a gamble and throw him in. He's, he doesn't have a great history coming up after a spell, Jake. So it could it's a bit of a statement to be made either way, whether he plays or doesn't play. So that'll be a very interesting selection. Um, McDonald Tippenworthy quad uh, injury, uh, could miss a couple of weeks with that one, I believe. Uh, Peter Wright, shoulder injury, of course, we won't see him do the second half of the year. Uh, Zach Reid, another long-termer, and um, Essendon could use him back in defence as well, but he's still at least a month away. So um, they're able to fling things around a bit, uh, Essendon, and and make do. Uh, Subbed out Dyson Heppel, Guelfi came on, made a, a difference in that last quarter. Yeah, it's a tough one to tip this one because they've both got arguments that they've both shown a bit of resilience and a bit of character. Both have some important personnel not there, though. On, on that basis, who do you favor?
1: Yeah, I it's hard to go past and Kilda, but Jack Steele can swing that. I you know, again, it, I thought you you're right, Essendon's resilient that last quarter. Maybe in the past they might have dropped away, even if it was against the Suns. You know, you weren't wouldn't have been that confident. But they've kicked five goals the last quarter. So they had plenty of run. Um uh yeah, I think they're defending better. I think they're getting confidence on, from that. I I I like their midfield against St. Kilda's midfield with steal out. I think it gives them an advantage. And if they can use the ball well, I still I'm like you, I, it's a difficult one to pick. Um I maybe because of the midfield, uh, it's an if, but if they can bring their A-grade game on it and match the defensive and match the effort and the intensity. So it might be a scrap. It might be nil all at quarter time. Well, just hang in there that the opportunities will arise. And uh, so I've got the Bombers by seven points.
0: Yeah, well, I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm usually a, a pessimistic Bomber person, but uh, I was pretty encouraged by that. And the other guy I should have mentioned too, and I think given the absence of steel, this guy could be important too, Will Setterfield. Uh, Real strong body, and he he was great with his clearance work, and um, he could be a really important factor in this game. So, yeah, look, flip of the coin, but I'm going for the Bombers as well, and uh, six points for me. Seven points for you, did you say? Yes, mate,
1: seven points, yeah.
0: All right, so close one at the G Saturday evening. The other game on Saturday night is another showdown. Well, headline uh, ticket item in Adelaide Saturday when Port Adelaide takes on the Crows, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's 7 p.m. locally at Adelaide Oval. 52 of these babies have played and the scoreline now is 27 to Port Adelaide, 25 to Adelaide. The interesting one about this Rocket uh, is that these games tend to be either thrillers or blowouts in the last... Nine clashes between these two, four times the margin has been less than a goal, and four times it's been forty nine points or more. So mm. um it's uh, I, I guess I guess you can sort of understand why when one side realises it's beaten, it's sort of like okay, let's uh, look at our wounds and and move on. Emotionally speaking, Uh quick one on personnel. Port Adelaide uh, they're in a a beautiful place personnel wise. Uh, Trent McKenzie. Um, still a few weeks away, but he's about the only significant injury at the moment. Uh, Connor Rosey passed a concussion test during the game against Collingwood. He'll be okay. Uh, That's about it for them. For Adelaide, um, uh, Darcy Fogarty tweaked a knee against Richmond but was able to play at the game. He'll be tested but uh, more likely to play than not. Uh, Matt Crouch come off the injury list this week If he responds well to training Uh, He's had a leg injury And uh, Patrick Parnell As we talked about earlier Concussion um, and Shane McAdam Suspension uh, Another showdown rocket Uh, Which way is this one going to go?
1: I'm leaning towards Port Um, I was really disappointed in their performance last week I thought... uh, obviously the pies really really put them to the sword and they just couldn't defend them. They couldn't have def- defend the fast, the fast movement of the ball. When you have a look back to round one, that was the thing that was able to get them on top of Brisbane was their fast movement of the ball, and Brisbane didn't react that well. So Adelaide can do that. Adelaide can show that they can move the ball quickly. They're just not consistent enough with defending it and winning at the contest. Um they've got a they've got a talented forward line, but I think. I think Port will be smarting from last week. I think it's a bounce-back factor. Um, that they, they won't need any motivation being a showdown, uh, either team. Um, I think it'll be tight for a while, but I think uh, I think Port uh, have got a, too much talent for them, especially through the midfield. Rosie and Dersma, I know they were beaten a bit last week, but I, I just think they've got enough talent to be able to put the score on the board and enough talent through the midfield to win this game.
0: Adelaide seemed to... Really struggle to string consistent patches of footy together, don't they? I mean, both games we've seen periods where they've looked terrific, but they can't seem to sustain it even for more than you know 15 minutes.
1: No, you're right. And last week, they they really it was probably even longer than 15 minutes. They showed you know during the end of the third quarter and into the last quarter, they really tested Richmond and Richmond look as though they were going to get run over. Uh, I think full credit to Richmond to be able to answer that, but the Crows had the tail up. But, uh, yeah, they couldn't sustain it. Um, and uh, I don't know what the reason, whether it's just not enough depth through the midfield. Nadal, it's obviously a star, but they're throwing some youngsters through there. Um, whether they make mistakes at the at the wrong time uh, when the pressure just goes up that little bit. And I think Port will put that pressure on them. I think they'll be a bit in this game uh, physically. And I think Port are a bit more seasoned in the bodies, a bit bigger, a bit more experienced and I think I think a bit more talent, so I think they can win this game
0: up forward. Do you think is that where that advantage is most pronounced? Do you think height and strength up forward, e.g., Dixon, etc.?
1: Probably against their defence, but uh, Adelaide's forward line on paper looks quite talented. Um, but uh, now you got Dixon, Marshall, Georgiadis, but they didn't play that well last week, um, and they've got the Dersmer and Butters and Rosie can go through there and. Fantasia hasn't done a lot since he's been there as well, Rioli. So they've got players who can kick goals. Um, they just need to be able to put that all together. And I think mainly back to the – you know, Boak was back last week as the sub came on, and I think he'll be better for the run. I just think they've got enough talent to be able to put uh, to hit the scoreboard.
0: They have. Their, their, for me, they're a, another one a bit like the Western Bulldogs, as in uh, they'll have a shocker and then – totally unexpectedly will will play a terrific game the following week, but you don't have a sense that that might happen. They're, um, they've always been a bit that way, haven't they? A bit unpredictable.
1: Yeah, they have been. I, I think, you uh, know, we were surprised round one, what like they did to Brisbane. Um, then we're surprised again the other way, that, that how poor they were last week. So, you know, they're a bit of a yo-yo side. But no need to develop that consistency. Um, but I think, uh, I don't think they'll have any lack of motivation this week at, For two fronts, as I said, the bounce back from last week's poor performance, but also the showdown.
0: All right. uh, Give us a margin.
1: Uh, Port by 19 points.
0: All right. So uh, I'm going to stick with that historical trend, either uh, thriller or blowout. Uh, I'm not going to go with the blowout, so I'm going to go with the thriller. Uh, Port Adelaide by four, thus ensuring we can use that time-honoured cliche, no matter where they are on the ladder. Right. Oh, yeah, that's... <laughs> we use that one to pump up about twenty years of pretty ordinary Carlton Collingwood games, I yeah. remember. <laughs> Transfer that one to the showdown. All right. Uh, another showdown. Uh, fingers crossed, it's an entertaining game. Let's move on to Sunday. First game on the Sunday menu is at uh, the ground formerly known as Metrocon Stadium, now Heritage Bank Stadium. It's hard to keep up with them, isn't it, really?
1: Oh, it is. And I think there's always a um... – a flow and effect of the name. So Metricon will be used at least for 12 months, maybe a bit longer. It's like Telstra Stadium was used. It was still called Telstra, well after Telstra dropped out of the sponsorship. Or so Colon-
0: Colonial Stadium. What about Geelong? Like- they had about three that started with S. They had Shell Stadium, Skilled Stadium. Stimmons. Simmons. Simmons
1: and- Stadium. Yeah. So um so there'll be a lag effect for this one. They'll still be known as MetroCon uh, Metricon for a while.
0: I was always hoping Ripper Roast would get on the uh, Geelong naming rights thing. We could have Ripper Roast Stadium down at the Cattery. Great, <laughs> great, great little venue, Ripper Roast. If you're leaving, Canadian folk. Uh, anyway, I digress. Two ten PM, Heritage Bank Stadium sees Gold Coast taking on Geelong. And uh, you had to think after the Cats went down again against Carlton. When was the last time Geelong started a season zip and two? Well, 2015 is your answer, and the significance of that, well, it's also the last time the Cats missed out on playing in the finals. Hard to believe, though, that is, yes. Geelong actually missed out in the finals once in the last millennium. Uh, Their record against Gold Coast is pretty exceptional, 12 wins and just two losses, both of them predictably, at Carrara, where the Cats' record is 5-2. and Your uh, initial thoughts on this one?
1: Well, both teams zero two, so they have got a bit to play for. I think I would think the Cats have have to bounce back. I mean, if they're zero three, um, it's a long way back then to have any uh, serious effect at the end of the season, uh, and they still make the eight. But it just uh, it's a long way back. So um, yeah, they've looked a bit sluggish. Um, Cameron carried them a bit last week and got them got them back in Dangerfield's had another down day. Um, I I I just think they've got a, too much talent to be able to have a 0-3 start. I don't think it'll be easy. I think the sun showed a little bit last week. Uh, they'll be better again at home. But it's, again, at night where uh, – no, when they've got humidity up there about uh, – uh, no, sorry, Sunday. But it's still going to be humid, so it's going to be slippery. It's not as slippery as at night. But – Those conditions should suit the Suns as far as that's what they're used to. So the Cats have got to adjust to that, get off to a good start. But I think they've just got too much talent around. I think they can score enough goals. Um, The Suns have got some talent up forward, but I I just worry about their defence being able to consistently um, hold the opposition forwards. And if Hawkins, Cameron and these type of players. uh, So I, I think the Cats will win this.
0: I was so disappointed with the Suns' last quarter uh, on Sunday against and I mean, they dominated play in the third quarter and, and didn't really get enough bang for their buck in terms of how much possession they had and how many forward 50 entries. But they just disappeared. And, and you just sense once Essendon kicked the first couple of goals, it was sort of – I wouldn't say they waved the white flag, but, gee, the, the effort – Dropped off a bit. And there's just something a bit too accepting about that. And I, you know, like we keep saying it with the Suns, but I mean, performances like that are a real sign of immaturity for me. Yeah. Uh, In
1: that last quarter, too, they, as you said, they got a couple of goals behind it and they made mistakes that they weren't normally making. A couple of goals that Essen got close to goal was a handball from the Suns player just wildly over his head. I think it was Guelphy picked it up and kicked it around the corner. Um, They really struggled to, when the heat and the pressure. So it was more mental pressure for me. It's like, oh, the game's on the line here. When the third quarter's on, we're a little bit behind, play with a bit of freedom, go, and then all of a sudden, it's the mental game of what the scoreboard says. and Oh, we've got to win. We're playing away. And all of a sudden, a couple of mistakes, and they tended to drop away.
0: Not uh, necessarily a lot Stuart Dew can turn to as an alternative. Either Sean Lemons is one uh, who could come back from a calf injury. Brandon Ellis Still some time off. Um, he's had a calf issue uh, well, for the past month now. It's a bit of a worry, the old man's injury, that one. Cats in terms of personnel. Uh, Collar Jasney uh, expected to be available this week. Uh, Mitch Duncan, very close to return. He's in uh, full training, speaking about calf injuries. Uh, Jack Henry, uh, still a bit away, and Sam Menegola, Still a bit away. Um, Stanley, Rhys Stanley hurt his ribs in a ruck contest with Tom De Koenig last week, but expected to be available. That thing about the conditions, you're right. This, well, you'd know you've been up there. This time of year, particularly, that game against the Swans was, um, as Peter Landy would say, the ball was like a cake of soup.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: very difficult to handle. But wouldn't you think that it almost favoured Geelong too because of those strong bodies?
1: Yes, yeah, it should. Uh, no, I mean, the sun's training it, so they should be used to it. Um, the cats wouldn't have had any conditions like that. It hasn't rained really in Melbourne at all. Um, so be able to. But as you said, the sun. Uh, saw the swans adjusted really well. I, the bigger bodies and assured hands, and not making mistakes. So um, yeah, I think the I think the cats. Should be okay with that. I think the bigger bodies, as you say, but Rao's a bigger body. The Tooke Miller's a good player. Witz is a really good player. So they've got their centre square covered. It's just the Cats been able to match that and maybe even be better than that. Just force the arrow. Now the Suns are going to make mistakes, probably more than any other team. They've re- and they make uh, unpressured mistakes. They're, they're kicking at times, can let themselves down, and they tend to get forward of the ball. Some of their players. So I think if the if the Cats can structure up properly when the ball goes inside their own fifty, I, I just think they they can force the Suns into too many errors, um, especially coming out of their back fifty and be able to score goals.
0: All right, so uh, you're going for Geelong. I take it. Uh, what sort of margin for them? Um, I
1: I don't think it'll be all one way traffic. I picked them by seventeen points.
0: All right. Um, I'm I'm a bit more confident than that. I think uh, they might go, get. A bit of a lead up and then go into a bit of cruise control. I'm going for the Cats by 28 points. Um, So that is the first game on the Sunday card, the afternoon clash back in Melbourne at the MCG. (coughs) 3.20pm Sunday afternoon. It's the Battle of the Capital Cities, Melbourne up against Sydney and Sydney have a great record against the Demons. Of course, last time they played them, uh, a fantastic win in the qualifying final at the G last year. Sydney, 10 wins and just two losses against Melbourne over the 10 seasons since 2013. And uh, you reckon any of them are at the MCG? Well, eight of them have been at the MCG. So uh, they're they're not bad at the G, the Swannies. They are 7-4 there. Over the last five years, since 2018, Melbourne, of course, play there as much as anyone. Uh, Their record there last year, nine wins and six losses. Um, Melbourne, injury-wise, got some issues here. Max Gorn, uh, he will miss at least a month with a knee injury. Stephen May, late withdrawal. Uh, Was that last week or round one? uh, Calf injury, he'll be tested. Uh, Christian Salem having a a bad run, uh, recovered from thyroid issues, but um, tore a meniscus at training. He'll be out for up to two months. Um, So that's a real worry there. Um, Important personnel uh, losses there. Rocket, would that affect your assessment of this one?
1: It does a little bit, to be honest. I think, as we mentioned before, Sydney really rate you no, know, they've they've really rate stoppages and winning contested ball, but they've been really good on the outside on the back of that, with Gorn out, who I think's close to the most influential player in the competition. Um is a really good player, but I don't think he's in Gorn's class, to be honest. And I think that'll help Sydney. They're all their planning would, have, would would have been around Max Gorn and what do we do at stoppages. I think uh I think uh they can get on top of this. I No, I I would imagine Mills would go to Oliver or or Petrarca, probably Oliver. Um, Mills is probably the best two-way running midfielder in the competition who can win his own ball, good in the body, but very disciplined. Oliver needs to be clamped on a bit. Um, So I'd imagine Oliver, uh, sorry, Mills would go to him. I just like the way Sydney moved the ball um, now the War is known as a reasonable defensive side, but they do move the ball quickly. And I think uh, last week Melbourne weren't on song and were showed up in the contest, except for Oliver and maybe Petrarca at times. And I think Sydney can bring that heat and bring that contest. Um, and I think they can they can starve the you now the demons of opportunities. I, you know I think uh, I think the Swans can win this one.
0: Uh, In terms of personnel, the Swans uh, still without Ryan Clark. He's at least a week away. Uh, Ditto Robbie Fox. He has a calf injury. Uh, And the Swans, of course, have their uh, best ruckman out as well. Tom Hickey, a hamstring injury. He's uh, another four weeks off. Sam Reid missing up forward for another three weeks with a glute injury. So uh, structurally, they've got some uh, important names missing as well. Gee, I'm, I'm struggling with this one. As people would be aware, I've, I've been a big fan of the Swans and how they play their footy for a, a few years now. Uh, and their record at the G's good and their record against Melbourne's good. So it all sort of points to a Sydney win. There's just something in my gut telling me that uh, this time it might be a bit of a battle. Is it someone like Joel Amate? Um, or is it
1: Franklin play? So who goes? Yeah. Franklin plays. They've got a selection issue there. So they can't play Marty uh, Franklin, uh, McLean, uh, and Laddams. I mean, they're too tall. So if Franklin comes in, one of the tools has got to go. So be interested to see what they do. And the other one, McDonald, kicked five last week. So they've got, they've got, and McDonald plays so much better when when Lance isn't there. So does Franklin play in a different role? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think he. Everyone talks about Franklin being the game winner and the game changer. I think he's lost that. I personally, I, I think it's more of a concern for the Swans if he plays than if he doesn't play, to be honest. And, so you, uh, you'd,
0: you'd leave him out? Well, he's such
1: a superstar. If he's right to play, you've got to you'll know, play him. Well,
0: um, well do you though? See, this is the thing, isn't it? Like, yeah. I, I tend to agree with what you're saying, but then if he doesn't play... Do you really play Buddy Franklin in the VFL? No, the, no Bob, that's right.
1: I'm just saying myself, and I don't have to make that decision, so it's easy for me to, like all media people, it's very easy to, <laughs> to, to give an opinion on that without the, the consequences. But whether he's not the the key pin and, and he's the athlete as the flanker type, and so they play... McDonald is the P and Amadi and they drop McLean. and I don't you know what, what's that. And he plays like a flanker role, and he's got a free reign to go where he likes. and And and, and they will worry about him. They will. He's still got the aura about him because you know, he can kick long goals. But I think he'll play. But uh, I um I I don't I don't think he's going to add a lot to the Swans, other than the opposition will worry about him. Can you imagine the media
0: turn out if he plays in the twos?
1: But oh, in yeah. the two? he'd be like Plugger Report Melbourne that day. So yeah, I, I think there will be I m ma- I don't think Lance will be very happy with that. So I imagine he'll play. He'll play.
0: All right. So uh you're you're going for the sw- uh, Swan I'm going for
1: the Swans uh by 15 points.
0: 15 points. Oh look, flip of the coin. I just, I've got to go with my gut on this one. Uh, It's served me incredibly poorly so far. In fact, how bad is our tipping rocket after two rounds?
1: I think everyone's in the same boat. There's (laughs) so many upsets. Yeah,
0: no, no one's going well. Some are just less bad than others. I'm going to go for the demons here and margin. I go for Melbourne by ten points. Uh, One game left, and it is. And I'm going to pronounce it the way they do. The Derby. Ah! Fremantle taking on West Coast. Uh, 5.20pm Eastern Time, Optus Stadium. Uh, What's the Derby scoreline? 23 wins to the Dockers, 32 to West Coast. And at Optus Stadium, they've played nine of those games and the score there is three wins to Frio, six wins to West Coast. The interesting thing about the Derby is since 2007 the results have gone in waves. So Fremantle won seven in a row. West Coast won the next three. Freo won the next six. West Coast won the next 11. And Fremantle have won the last three. Uh, really disappointing start to the year by the Dockers. West Coast, well, we were ready to uh, relegate them to the VFL after round one, but uh, bounce back with um, a pretty decent win over GWS last week. Rocket, uh, which way is this one going to go?
1: Um, It's going to go the team that wants to take the game on and play, play modern footy. Uh, the West Coast have been very slow to get hold of that. They're, uh, have defended with ball in hand. I've been critical of the West Coast of the last few years. They're getting front. Like they played the Suns it was last year, the year before, they're eight goals up. Then they went into defensive mode and, and win by seven points. Right? And they play that boring game. At the weekend, they didn't. Young Jones took the game on and they were going forward. Um, and that's the problem free I've got. They're stuck in last year's mode or the year before mode. And they're just... Uh no no ball movement, no freedom of movement. So whoever wants to take the, if they both take the game on, I'll go for Fremantle, but I'm not as convinced that they're going to do that.
0: So we're looking at two teams with anachronistic game plans. Why are sides having so much trouble changing the way they play? Well,
1: the belief of the coach, he just what his main focus would be, and that's obviously save a goal rather than kick a goal. And... Um, under today's – because every team defends really well if they're allowed to, but they struggle with quick ball movement. But coaches worry about turnover. It's more a fact, well, the Craig McRae model is you've got to spend a bit to make a bit. So they're prepared to come back in the corridor. Everyone knows the, – the, oh, sorry, the teammates know, and they outnumber the opposition there. So uh, don't worry about a turnover. But it seemed like the Bulldogs last week, Fremantle is stayed – protect the ball, protect the ball, but you're not going to score. So um, I think uh, the West Coast opened it up last week um, and I've probably got more confidence that they will do that. Um, I think on balance, if they both want to take the game on, I would would back Fremantle. But as I said, I haven't got confidence that they will change their mode of delivery.
0: Important personnel um, matters for both teams. Of course, Nat Fife was a, a late withdrawal last week, plantar fascia injury. Uh, the Dockers believe he's uh, a decent chance to play in the Derby. Uh, Michael Wilder's pulled up well from limited minutes as the substitute last week after returning from an Achilles injury. So he should be right to go. Travis Collier uh, still a month away for the Dockers. For West Coast, the two uh, biggest names that they're, Desperate uh, to come back. Uh, obviously, Nick Natanui, still two weeks away for him with uh, Achilles injury. And Elliot Yeo, uh, he's got a calf problem. He's been all but ruled out this week, so you won't see either of them in the immediate term either. Yeah, look, I, there was a good reason. I I tipped Freo to t- uh, make the eight, but I, I did a piece about seven legitimate flag contenders, and they weren't one of them. I, I just... Still not convinced. I still think no. their forward setups dodgy, and on and from that perspective, uh, I, I was struggling to work out the, the rationale with Rory Wobb. Put a lot of responsibility on Matt Taberner. Not convinced he's the man who who makes. Well, them. the
1: recruited the other thing that's worrying them is the recruited Jackson, Jackson, yeah, who played yeah. as a backup ruck for Gorn and then a bit forward. Have they recruited him as a forward? Mm. he's not touching it as a forward but Sean darcy's form seems to have gone down the toilet as well but uh, he doesn't look fit i know he's always been a big man but he looks a little bit if he's put on a, a few a few kilos um and jackson if he's taken the ruck work well darcy's what he what he had th- two possessions to half time or something last week so i think that it's a lose lose that's what's happening
0: pet hate of mine is trying to turn ruckman into de facto key forwards it just hardly ever works
1: no, it doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. They don't market enough. And he had a few opportunities last week, Jackson. But uh, I, I said last year, and I was in the media they asked me a question about it. Worry for me about Jackson going at such a young age, because of the money is on the pressure is going to be on him, and he's going to feel the pressure. And I don't know whether he's mature enough. I don't know him or experienced enough to cope well, good enough to cope with that pressure at this stage, and. Some of those marks you dropped last week seem to be a mental thing. It's just like, oh, I've got to mark this or and the heat's on me where before there was no pressure on him at Melbourne and he do that intermittently and he showed promise and all that and the carefree. Um, now he's got the heat and the pressure and he's not coping with it that well.
0: He certainly has. Uh, I think it was front page of the West Australian, the headline was, was it No Action Jackson or something? It was- yeah, true. Right. And
1: that's what happens when you go for money. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 the media jump on it, doesn't matter who you are, and also the supporters, even though he's a Western Australian, he, he's, he has put
0: the heat on him. So he'd be able to cope with that. Bloody media, they're shockers, aren't they? Just as well, we're not in it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, always a keenly anticipated contest, the Derby. Uh, which way is this one going to go?
1: Well, I just said uh, I'm having confidence in Frio to change their model. I Honestly, I don't know. It's a flip of the coin about two unknown teams. Um, which is a shame for Freo, the way they've gone. Oh, I, I'll go Fremantle. I was going to go West Coast two minutes ago, but I've changed back to Fremantle by three points.
0: All right, change your change your tip in during the course of an yeah, interview. Yeah, and I'll
1: probably change it again tomorrow. So <laughs> okay, well, uh, and yeah, no so. second
0: chances on the Footyology podcast rocket. You've got to have the courage of your convictions. Uh, I'm going for Fremantle as well. Um, I reckon I can win by a bit more than you. I'm, I'm going for the Dockers to win by 18 points. And just having a quick look down our tips, we've got we've got three different actually. You've gone Brisbane, I've gone the Bulldogs. Uh, you've gone GWS, I've gone Carlton, and uh, Sydney. You've gone, and I've gone Melbourne. So. Uh, we're yeah. both doing poorly, but one of us will be doing one even of more us, will, poorly. one of <laughs> us will raise the bat. <laughs> well, still plenty of time to catch up. Um, thanks for that good stuff as per usual. Now, just warn me, I've got to go and do some shopping. Am I going to walk into the local supermarket and find Colin Robertson or someone behind the door? No, tilt? no, he
1: lives in Tasmania. You won't find Michael, you won't find Colin Robertson. Um, gee, I don't know who you might find out that way. Um, Craig Hoyer. Big Clag. No, I don't know where Clag lives. I don't know where he lives. I'm pulling um, him out from all quarters
0: now. Yeah, geez,
1: you're plucking that one. That's Who, a, who's
0: the least remembered member of the 83 Hawthorne Premiership team?
1: Uh, gee, that's – he played well on the day, but probably Mick McCarthy. Probably ah, people yes. f- probably forget Mick a bit. Um, yes. I looked through the team and it was a pretty good side, actually. So uh, – uh, now Kelvin Moore didn't make it. He was playing that year. Mick Moncrief kicked a lot of goals. He kicked a few nines and sevens and didn't get in the finals team. David Polkinghorne missed. Uh, Peter Russo was injured. So there's a few players who didn't get selected. Yeah, so so it was, right. it was a pretty reasonable side actually.
0: It was. It was a pretty good side. Uh, all right. I'm just sick of seeing them everywhere I go. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not really. You're all exceedingly good blokes, and for an Essendon person, that's the most frustrating <laughs> thing at all. You're all bloody good blokes. All right. uh, Great stuff, Rocket, as per usual. And uh, thanks for your company, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. Good luck to your team this week. And uh, we'll see you again next Wednesday.
1: Okay, mate. Great. Have a good week.